It's like a system that's set up to create the very system that America was set up to not have. So America was set up like it's supposed to be like anybody can make a system. Right. But we kind of have created that still. It's just under a different name. We don't have kings and queens. Now we got billionaires. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tweet talk. Episode 20. Episode Red Bull. We on the end, What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Man, yesterday I think I was tired because I didn't have any Red Bull. I've been drinking a lot of Red Bull. Now that I don't drink alcohol, I've been supplementing out with caffeine. I drink a lot of caffeine, so. Problem is, that's not just caffeine. It's also a whole lot of sugar, too. Yeah, but, you know, there's always something wrong with everything. Yeah. You drink too much water, they're going to be like, you drinking too much water. That's the wrong water, dude. You know, your water's supposed to be pH balanced, dude. <laughs> you know, there's, there's blah, blah, blah. It's like, bam. Did you know that you could actually die from drinking too much water? But this exactly, such a thing see? as... Is actually a thing like H2O poisoning. Like, there's always, a, there's always something, man. Crazy. So. Uh, you could die from drinking too much alcohol. You could die from drinking too much water. But anyway, welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, where we discuss tweets and building black wealth. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. And my co host, Charles, on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Where's the link? Did you, uh, I got to go on YouTube and find it, streaming live so I oh. can tweet it? Right, right, right. Let me get on. Almost forgot. If you don't go live, it didn't happen. It's funny that EYL has really turned into like just interviewing rappers and entertainers. No, not, no knock against them, but I don't know. I think people need more than that. I think, I don't know, it grows the platform, but it's like I kind of tuned it out when it became that because it's like I can't. What DJ Khaled is doing doesn't really impress me. Right. It's kind of weird. It's like Breakfast Club. I like when Breakfast Club brings rappers on. They talk business. But I don't really care when like platforms that are kind of supposed to be catered to the average man gets on there and talks about talks to rappers. I don't know why I don't care as much. I I, I, I don't like it when they bring all these rappers, man. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm not interested in hearing. I don't know what it is. I'm not interested in hearing what Fat Joe or Jim Jones or none of these guys have to say on it on a podcast at EOL. If you bring them on the Breakfast Club, I'll tune in. And then right. and I love it if they're talking business on Breakfast Club, but for some reason Is it I don't know why. I think it's I think it's because like for me, podcasts I think are supposed to be like, okay, this is how the average man did it and this is how you can too. It's not supposed to be like, this is how Rick Ross continues to grow his empire. Because those shows aren't relatable. Like, what are you going to do? Become a successful rapper and then become a wing person? Like, I can't become DJ Khaled. So nothing really DJ Khaled says is going to help me. I don't know. I don't know, fam. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Unless it's like somebody who I know is business person, like Dame Dash, Master P. Right. That's different. Yes. Because I know they're ground up dudes. They make money... Like, I don't have time to waste at this point. So it's like, if I'm listening to something, I need to know somebody from Grant. I don't even really listen to too much Jay-Z says about business. Because like at a certain point, you're not doing business. You kind of are a product. And I was in the store and I saw LeBron James on a package of chips. And I was like, people would be like, oh, LeBron James, he's making money off of Lay's. Like LeBron James is what they're using to market. He's their influence influencer marketer. He's not in the big boardroom negotiating deal points. Welcome to Tweet Talk, you guys, where we talk about black wealth and we dissect these tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. And sometimes these rappers, not all of them, but sometimes they don't really... They don't really know what they're talking about. It's a figurehead. That's what I'm saying. They're just... There's somebody they paid to give them clout. You don't go to a basketball player and say, hey, let's do business because they're great at business. You do it because they're great at basketball and they have a following because they're great at basketball. You know, LeBron James has like like 4 million followers, probably more. I think it's like 12 million followers on Instagram. Within everyone. That's crazy. I'll give it to him, though. He's making his money, but a lot of the stuff he does isn't relatable. It's cool. I think it's cool to talk about it, but there's only so much you learn from it, though. 
Exactly. It's like, what am I learning from this whole experience? LeBron James has 111 million followers. 111 million followers. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's money right there. Unless Instagram is crushing your algorithm like they do. That is. You know, they, they like to crush algorithms and crush your reach. That is crazy. So, Charles, give us a recap. This is this is the first full day in in Detroit, right? You could say that. Um, recap the day. So, Charles. I guess. I mean, is my the day Detroit. I fly in is usually like a full day because mm-hmm. I fly in and I landed like six. So I still did a lot of work on on the day that I was here. I walked the flip that I'm doing. I showed up there by myself and then I walked it with the contractor. And uh, then we went to two homes. One home is Healy, which is the first one we bought. And I'd never seen the inside of them since the tenants left it. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, so the Healy house, both of the homes that had tenants in them had pipes burst because that's what happens when um, it gets really cold and there's water in the pipes or there's water, there's water in the pipes, the pipes burst. So it was really bad at uh, the Griggs house. Luckily, it was just in the basement. Well, part of it was in the basement. Some of it was actually in the house. So it was like flowing on the floor. So that floor is kind of damaged. It was hardwood. So I'm going to have to uh, put new floor on top of that, which sucks. Um, but junked both the houses, cleaned them out. Stuff that is very straightforward, but that a tenant will or a contractor will take forever to get done because it's been a day and they didn't get it done today. So it's like, bro, like I need this shit done, man. I don't got time to be, I don't got time to be wasting. These folks, they'd be wasting my time. Even the people you hire, they don't even be executing really. So um, mostly it's just been looking at the properties that are existing, but then also getting a better understanding of what's there. So, um, the two properties, I mean, when somebody gives you an explanation or a description over the phone, you never know what you're walking into. You could be walking into a madhouse. <coughs> Thankfully it wasn't that bad. Um, I think we could just turn them. I really think we got to stop overthinking it and put carpet in it, paint it, clean up the bathroom in the kitchen and call it a day. $3,000 turn. I can pay a thousand for carpet, a thousand for paint and call it a day, Raphael. That's how you run a business efficiency. So um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So overall, you would say it was a productive day, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the things that I did that I've been holding on to is I needed, and I've been asking these people to do it, but they've been lagging. And that's my thing is I'm here to do the things that they'd be lagging on doing, which is damn near everything. So I needed to have lock boxes on every single house with the key for it. Every single house, whether there's a tenant in there or not, I don't care why, because if there's a maintenance issue, I need to be able to have access to that property, whether or not the tenant's there or not. Um, if I need to get um, a rehab, if it's a house that has like a vacancy, I need to have somebody that can come in there and do the work, whether I have somebody there or not. Because if I don't have a key there, I have to coordinate having an actual individual there to take care of these things. So I'm like, nah, every house gets a lock box. The lock box codes are gonna be the same on every lock box. I'm going to have a key to get into that house. So then I could say, hey, go clean this house, take pictures when it's done and send them here. And it gets done. And then I got a clean house. And so I could start building upon that that slate. And so um, I did that. I've gotten pictures. I've gotten videos. I've looked at about seven other properties to potentially acquire. So I've been looking at some flips, some flip opportunities. The, the opportunities in Detroit are abounding. It's a unique market because for the longest time, there weren't comps. So you're looking at a house to flip, but there's no homes in that area that have been repaired, that have been sold for you to even determine what it's worth. Now, the downside now is the as-is values are going up. So they're wanting $100,000 for a home in its as-is condition and people are paying it. And so back in the day, you can get these homes for like 10, 20 grand. Now they want 100 grand for them because the comps in the area are like 250. So you buy it for 100 grand, you put 50 to 75 into it, now you can sell it for 250. There's a lot of opportunity in Detroit that was not here before. A lot of really nice um, spreads that are here that weren't here before. So I've been been very busy. But the most important thing, I only have two days left. And the most important thing is make sure I get actual things done. Like, I just, I don't like to talk. So I need to follow up with the contractors, talk to them every day, get end of day updates, and and really get this going. Because, yeah, things need to be happening. Things need to be happening. Now, you had a tweet. Now, I know you were talking about the weather, but you said real bosses can thrive in any climate. <laughs> I know you were talking about the um, weather, but... Yeah, it was interesting because I was supposed to be here last week. And this is why you got to be careful who you let give you advice. I was supposed to be here last week and everybody was like, oh, don't go. It's snowing. It's a blizzard. It's this, it's that. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to go. And then other people were like, well, don't go to Detroit in the in the wintertime. Don't go in February. Wait until it gets warm. People are just... They'll give you a bunch of reasons to not do anything. 
And even when you started investing in Detroit, people were like, don't invest there. I don't know why you buy a bunch of homes in Detroit. Those folks, five years later, ain't got no rentals. <laughs> they ain't got no tenants. They ain't got nothing. And so the thing is, is I realized like, it's not that bad. Like even today it was like 40 degrees. I was just chilling. Like I had on a sweatshirt, not even like a full coat. Like I normally did. Like the first day I got here, I had on a full coat, I had a full scarf. And like, I was just trudging through it. You got to get it done, man. And <clears throat> I was, I, I found that I was just able to maneuver through it. You find ways to get it done. So whenever I come to Detroit, I get a Jeep because I know I'm going to need to be driving over some stuff and I don't want to be trying to drive over that stuff in a car. So like the key really is to adapt. And that's the point of thriving in any environment, any climate is you adapt. How I conduct myself in California isn't how I conduct myself in Michigan. It isn't going to be how I conduct myself in whatever. You don't see me wearing no chains. You don't see me wearing <laughs> no watches. Like I'm not trying to be Mr. Flashy Flash Flash because I don't even want to invite that attention. I was like, maybe I'll just put on one chain. I was like, nah, fam, I don't even want to invite it. Like I'd, I'd be real, real low key. And so that's what it's about. It's not about avoiding opportunities. It's not about being scared. I'm finding like some people just specialize in being scared. I'm mm-hmm. like, how do you just all I told my mom this is like every time I tell you something, you'd be like, you you like find a reason to be scared. And I was like, and I think I was like, is that like a mom thing? Like moms are just like, I want you to be safe. I want you to be blah, blah, blah. And I had to realize this is like my mom is gonna want me to just be safe and be in the house and do nothing instead of just being out there, risking it and creating and being becoming a better person. And I noticed that when I was like, I forgot when, but I noticed that I'm a better person when I'm taking risk. And I also noticed that whenever I take risk, it tends to pan out. And so I was like, I need to start taking more risk because you're bigger and you're better than you think you are. And so everything that I would like try to do or strive to do, there was always somebody there saying, no, don't, can't, won't, expensive. And you're just going to get more of the same if you live like that. Your life is going to look exactly how it looks now next year if you don't ever take any risk. If you don't ever, if, if you don't ever take a chance, it's going to look exact, this, exactly the same. You will have not improved, not moved any iota. That's not what life is. Yeah, because my next, my next one I was going to touch on is you said focus on your money, brother. Take some more chances. And I didn't say that. I didn't say that because I didn't. I knew you were going to um, bring it up. <laughs> but that's a Larry June line, and he actually said N word instead of brother. But I had to modify it. But it's so true. I meant to turn that into a a tweet or to an Instagram post. It's like we got to take chances, man. We're so afraid. And what I'm finding is like fortune favors the bold. Opportunity favors the bold. And you know what? Worst case scenario, you step into opportunity, you got to back out of an opportunity. It is what it is. Um, I've had situations where when I got my second office, that was a that was like a risk. I was like, man, just getting the first one was like something. Now I got two. And you know what happened? I found out like, I don't need that second office. So I closed the one in LA and now the office that was a risk is my main office. And I love that office. And um, even with me now, I'm trying to think of like moving to Detroit and getting a place in Detroit. And so I'm all nervous and anxious and looking at different things. But I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm only really going to be here two weeks out of the month. So what if I Airbnb it for those other two weeks? Or what if I do whatever and find different ways to make it happen? Or if I get a car and then I find different ways to like throw it or whatever that might look like, like there's all these different things I could be doing and growing. And those things make you bigger. And the bigger you are, the better you are. But we're so afraid to take those big risks. But the people that we admire, are people doing big things. So you look at Scotty, he's doing a big project. And that's why we admire what he's doing. You look at Chris Senegal, they're doing big projects. That's why we admire them. Nobody admires the guy doing little stuff. Nobody admires the person who isn't crushing it with massive numbers. Like we want to do things that make us admirable and we have to risk things. I I was telling my mom this, I was like, you know what? There's literally nobody that I know that's doing what I'm doing. So there's really nobody who can really tell me either it can work or it can't work. There's no blueprint for this. Nobody that I know has all these different things going on. No, I don't know anybody. And so like that alone is a risk, but you, you reach a point where it's like, well, what's the next step? There's no, there's no path to follow. So I'm just guessing and creating at this point in time. But the thing is, you can always back out of it. So yeah, you get an apartment, you lease that apartment, whatever that looks like. If you can't stay there, hey, I'm gonna pay up the lease into whatever, or whatever that might look like, or I'll sublease it, or I'll like let them know like, hey, I thought this was gonna work out. It's not gonna work out now. So I'm gonna have to leave earlier. Whatever that might look like. You might have to go a month to month lease, might do do a six month lease, whatever that looks like. But there's opportunity there. And we're only gonna grow if we take those chances. Yeah, man. Because it's like you said, Otherwise, next year is just going to look like last year or it mm-hmm. might be worse because 
in truth in life nothing, nothing really stands still you either moving forward or backwards yeah. can't really stay still and, and then also I look at how much it costs mm-hmm. when I come here and I get a hotel like a hotel room could be 250 a night or I'm in an Airbnb right now and this is like 150 a night so I'm here for five nights that adds up quick that's like 750 bucks for five nights and and so like that's almost as much as your rent would be I don't know how much the rents are in downtown I gotta look but Let's say it's about fifteen to two thousand. Sounds like a lot of money, but if I can structure it in a way where I can kind of hack it a little bit, it won't be. And that's just the mindset is like, how can I hack this? How can I make this so it cash flows? How can I make this so it's an opportunity that pays me? Yeah, I was looking for a way, right? Yep. I was looking for a way. Now, you had a tweet that I, I thought was interesting. You said a large part of the real estate business is just having more money than other people so you can do things they can't do and then charging them for access. What do you mean by that? I've never I've never wanted to say that, but I think that's what it is, man. Like, if you think about it, this stuff shouldn't be that expensive. Like, real estate should not be that expensive. And it it used to not be that expensive. It's just gotten progressively more and more and more and more expensive. Such that that the reason why tenants rent isn't because they're like, you know what? I'm going to rent. It's because they just can't afford to own. They can't afford to get financing. They can't, their credit's not in the right place, which usually is a a function of their income. Credit is largely a function of your income. If you have low income, you probably have bad credit. If you have high income, you more than likely have good credit. I'm pretty sure the statistics show if you make over $100,000, you probably have better credit. There's people out there literally making like $12,000 a year, $20,000 a year. And so they're, they're, they're bridging the gap between poverty and comfortability with credit. And then what happens? They default on the credit because they didn't have the money to pay for it in the first place. They right. barely could afford the life they had. There literally are folks making pennies working full jobs, making like $13 an hour, $14 an hour. That security guard, he ain't making no money. Uh, that person working at Chipotle, they ain't making no money. And they're probably working full time, not making no money. This is real life out here. And so what was that tweet again? About having more money than other people so you can do things you right. can't do. And so what happens is all this money is fake, man. All this money is fake. And I believe that these countries where there's like these rich people, I think they just give, it's not like a meritocracy like America is. And so hear me out. You have these people coming from Asia, coming from a different country, and they're just like really, really wealthy. And it's like, well, how'd they get the money? Well, the country printed the money and they gave it to them. I was in San Diego and I saw this huge yacht and the owner of the yacht is like some politician in, uh, in Russia. And like, that's just, just, that's how he makes his money. He's a politician. Like, <laughs> Does that make sense? Are you looking at like certain African countries and like the government people are the wealthiest, the senators and those because they're the wealthiest because it's it's not a meritocracy. It's not like in America where you produce a product, you get rich. It's like, no, the government, we just got the money. So therefore we say he's rich and we just printed the money. We just gave him the money. However, they disguise it. I think that's really what happens. Fight me if they want to. So anyway, <laughs> my point is that I'm noticing that Real estate really is just a a money play. It's really just a way to keep keep the rich people richer. Because like when we were talking to Scotty, there's they have a hard time creating affordable housing. Why? Because special interest groups, the people that donate the money to the politicians, are creating market rate housing. And so the government isn't incentivized to do what's in the best interest of the people. They're to do what's in the best interest of them, them staying in office and then making sure that their rich friends stay richer. And so I'm just finding that like the reason why we can do these things is so we can afford to do these things. The reason why we get to own these homes is because we can afford to turn these homes. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like a system that's set up to create the very system that America was set up to not have. So America mm-hmm. was set up so that you don't have like royalty and you don't have, um, like it's supposed to be like anybody can like make a caste system. Right. But we kind of have created that still. It's just under a different name. We don't have kings and queens. Now we got billionaires. We don't have um, princes and all that stuff, or we don't have, like, we don't even have kings, but you know, we do have, we have politicians with no term limits. So we have people who have been in office forever and ever going in office. You have people like uh, Nancy Pelosi, you have have judges who can never be voted, who are just there, lifelong terms. And so we've created the same system we tried to get away from. And I think that that's a flaw and it's unfortunate because it oftentimes falls on the back of us where the rich can't stay rich unless they have renters, which is another thing that if the cash flow stops and the, the asset falls in value. So I don't know, just something I was thinking about. It's not a fully developed thought, but it's just something I've been noticing. Yeah, I remember I saw somewhere in a book or something that said in America, like the businessman is the new royalty. Like 
that's just the way it happened. It was supposed to be like this egalitarian society. And then it just worked its way out to where you didn't have kings and queens, like you said, but now you got businessmen. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder if that's just the natural way things work with people. Like, is that just how it happens when you put a bunch of people? Because you got some folks who are going to be like, for me, sometimes I like look at my life and I'm like, I'm supposed to be successful because there's not a lot of people who I know who are as focused, as driven, as hungry for knowledge as I am. So it's like, yeah, it kind of took a pandemic to make it happen, but I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it happened the kind of very unique way. Um, and so it's like, there's people who in a world where you still can get what you want if you put the time, effort and energy into still don't. And so there's mm-hmm. people who like have the ability to go to school, progress, work nights and weekends, get additional education and they don't. So it's like maybe that's the reason why we keep repeating things. It just It's just a, of a different name just because that's just how people are. You got some people who are ambitious and driven and hungry, relentless. You have some people who just ain't about that life. And that's one thing I'm realizing about these contractors. I'm like, man, y'all like easy. Y'all are not ambitious or driven. Like y'all just don't want to do the work. It's like, that's one thing that I wonder. And I'm actually going to start firing folks who work for other people that aren't me. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing this no more. I need people who work for me and only me. I need to get my own team. I already have my own team that I pay and they just do all my jobs. That's what uh, Lamont does. And he don't be paying them a lot of money. He pays them a fair wage, but like, I think that's what I got to do. Even if it just starts with two people, I have two people that work all the time. That's what I need to do is just go direct and get the labor. And then I can start having them go work and do other things. That's all I'm actually starting to, I want to start doing is trying to create my own construction company. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Where are you going to start it in Detroit or LA? I still, it's, I still, as much as I bash Detroit, it's just so much opportunity out here that's accessible. Granted, it's starting to get very expensive, but there's still, compared to California, it's just opportunity abounds. There's stuff that you can't do. Like somebody was like, hey, do you, uh, what do you do out here? Do you have any homes? Like, yeah, we got like 10 homes. I was like, I could never really sit in California. I mean, I could if I leverage financing and do all that. I could get there, but it's just, I don't know, it just seems so much easier out here. Yeah, imagine how much leverage you can use in Detroit. But yeah. So you also say on the other hand, we also we also need to acknowledge America's expensive AF. They also keep our incomes low to keep us in our place and out of their neighborhoods. You know what frustrates me about like all this relationship talk on the timeline is folks be capping. And so people will Women will get on the internet and they'll say like, I'm not going 50-50 or I'm not paying the rent, but they don't say it's because I'm broke and I'm barely getting by. So it's not that they just like choose not to do it. It's that they couldn't do it if they wanted to. Like most of them don't have such great paying jobs that they could even pay for your dates and your meals if they wanted to. And so even with like buying homes and renting and all that stuff, like a lot of folks are struggling. They need each other. A lot of dudes can't do all these things, not because they're greedy and they're just sitting on a big pile of money. No, they're broke and they're barely getting by and they're working jobs that aren't paying them as much as they want to pay them. And they aren't able to buy these homes because they're not getting paid that much, um, especially compared to like the cost of living. But nobody's willing to just say like, bruh, I'm broke and I need you. Not like, oh, well, I'm I'm a woman. And so you should be doing this and this. It, like, no, like, and that's one thing I've said before is like men would do more things for women. If women just said like, hey, you know what? I actually need your help. And I could go so much further if I had you. Instead, the narrative is I don't need no man. Men ain't this. A man can't do nothing for me. Blah, blah, blah. And really, it's all cap. They're out there struggling. They're barely getting by. And statistically, it shows it. I think like the average net worth of black women is like $15. It might even be a negative number. Like, the average net worth of black women is not much. Want to know why? Because they're getting all this education and they got a bunch of student loans. Their net worth is negative and they're probably never going to pay it all. And so my thing is we aren't honest with each other. And if we're not honest, we're going to keep going around in circles and people are going to keep arguing because they have too much of an ego to just tell the truth. Like, bruh, I can't afford to take you out. I'm sorry. But maybe when I get into my financial peak, I will. And that's another thing is there's a lot of people who are discounting young men who have not yet reached their financial peak. 
And so that's one of the things that I even talked about, like with um, people who I know who have kids at like a young age and maybe they're like in their early 20s and the dude's like not able to really do all that he can. And they're like, well, you ain't shit. I don't need you. And then he turns 35 and he's a whole beast out here crushing it, job promoted him, doing all these really cool things. And you guys discounted him at 22 because we do that. We're like, you ain't ever going to be worth nothing. Like, bro, he's 22. You aren't worth nothing at 22 unless you were in the military, which a lot of them take uh, take for granted and maybe acting like it was all them when really it was the military that did it for them. But anyway, my point is that like the conversation online is a bunch of cat. It's a bunch of people who are struggling, acting like they're doing certain things by choice when that's not the case. And it's very expensive to not be married. Um, it's very financially constraining to not be married. And they're not making it easy. The rents went up. Rents have gone up multiple times. Um, home values have gone up all through this pandemic. Everything has increased in price except for your salary. And uh, folks need to start combining resources, combining living expenses. Otherwise, they're just going to choke to death. The, the clip has been going around the internet from No Jumper of Jim Jones in the Gucci store having a hissy fit because he was at the Gucci store for two hours shopping and wasn't getting any good service. They were ignoring him. They didn't bring him any water. They didn't show him any amenities. They didn't treat him treat him right. He's asking questions. Nobody's helping him. They sent a manager to him. And he didn't like what the manager was saying. And it's just funny to me, man. I'm sure you saw the video, right? Mm-hmm. It's just funny to me, man. It's like he's talking about you spent like twenty nine thousand dollars. This guy's spending twenty nine thousand dollars on clothes in one day. But anyway, mm. you got the money, you could do what you want. But who in their right mind is gonna stay in the store for two hours and get bad service and stick around? We're begging them to take our money and get us some sparkling water. What did you think about that? Mm, a few things. Um, I think that one of the reasons why folks get treated like that is because they beg, they like their reaction to being treated like that. So it's like if your reaction to being treated like that is like, all right, cool, we out. And you don't have to make a scene about it. It's like, now nah, we out. We're taking our money somewhere else. Um, people are going to start to kind of re- respect your money. Um, that's just one. That's the first. The other is it, it reminds me <clears throat> of what happens when we have a Democratic president in office. <laughs> When we have a Democratic president in office, the narrative changes. It becomes a narrative of acceptance. It becomes a narrative of inclusion and being um, like incorporated and involved in what everybody else is doing. Um, for example, the the recent coach who's suing the NFL, um, he's suing the NFL because he got fired. And there's this rule called the Rooney Rule, which basically says like if you're hiring a, a new head coach, you have to interview at least one black candidate, I believe. And if you do hire a black coach, you get like an additional draft pick, like reparations or something. And so um, my problem is, I remember when this whole Kaepernick thing happened and I think uh, Donald Trump was in the office, the whole conversation was, all right, we're, we're building our only, we're starting our only, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, oh, well, they need to hire more black coaches. And so they hired a black coach. I don't know if you saw, but the black coach was like some dude whose grandma was black. So like oh. grandma was his grandma was black and like nobody else was black. And they're like, oh, you hired a minority coach. So you get a free draft pick. And they hired him for like the 49ers head coach or the, the Miami Dolphins head coach. My thing is, it's like, I don't want your charity, man. There's a quote that says charity degrades the receiver. I don't mm. want your charity. I don't want um I don't. It, and the other part of that quote is that, that it hardens the, the person who gives the charity. So it's like whenever we have a Democrat in office, it, it shifts from do for self and it comes to like, what can you do for me? And that's not healthy for a culture. In AA, they have this thing. It's uh, they say that like Alcohol Anonymous should be um, self-funded and they're denying contributions from outside sources because the if you pay the piper, then the piper gets to select the tune. So mm-hmm. no, if, who, he who pays the piper gets to select the tune. So the people that pay you get to then control you. The people that fund you get to then control you. The people that give you opportunity get to control you. And so my problem is we're not making power moves. I say all that to say we're not making power moves. Mm-hmm. Begging Gucci to take $20, $29,000 from you is not a power move. Getting on the internet and crying that they don't like you is not a power move. Jewish people don't do that. You know what Jewish people do when people don't fuck with them? They get them shut down. They will shut your shit down. They will create another one. Right. I put out a video of this podcast, and it's a story that I've told before. 
But um, Benjamin Graham, which is like the godfather of investing, everybody says like Warren Buffett is the godfather of investing. Well, Benjamin Graham taught Warren Buffett. And Benjamin Graham is Jewish. And he was also a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, which is where Warren Buffett went to school. And Warren Buffett took a class with uh, Ben Graham. And um, he was like the only person that ever got like an A plus in Ben Graham's class. And after that, he was like, hey, I want to work for your firm. Warren Buffett asked Ben Graham to work at his firm. And Ben Graham said, no, he said, you can get a job anywhere on Wall Street, but my Jewish students cannot. So as much as I would like to hire you, I won't. That's a power move. A power move is where you're willing to forego greater to work with your own. Those are the things that we don't do. We do things that are comfortable and convenient in the moment instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to build my own Gucci. You know what? I'm going to take my $29,000 and my clout and my influence and promote a Black brand on purpose. Mm -hmm. Not just on some like, oh, look, let's shop here. Let's do this once. Like, no, let's make a Black brand hot. We've done it before. Sean John, Rocketware, FUBU. There's all these Black brands that have been popular. Let's do that. People will respect that way more. People see that and they just be laughing. They might not laugh in your face, but they'll laugh in their house. And they'll be like, I can't believe they're over here complaining about not getting service. Like, why would you serve him? Look at him. Look at how he's dressed. They'll find a whole bunch of reasons to, <laughs> to, to, to justify not giving you service. Meanwhile, we're crying and looking like wimps. I don't know why we do it, but I know that it tends to happen when we have a, uh, a Democrat in office. We start to kind of think that they're greater and we're less than, and we just need to be included and accepted by them. I don't want to be. And then it's like you, and one of the worst parts about going to stores like that is most of the people that like work in those stores can't even afford to shop in those stores. So you're over here, mm. you can more than afford to shop there. And you're mad about the treatment from somebody who will never be as rich as you. That's one of the things that like, even like when I go places and like, I went to, <clears throat> I went to like the grocery store and like, I'm checking out and I had some issues with the checkout. And so like the security guard, like came over to watch me check out I'm like, bruh, my watch costs more than you made this month. And this is my cheap watch. So I was like, if you don't get away from me right now, I'd be wanting to say stuff like that to people, but I don't, but I want to, I just walk out with my dignity and I know that I'll never go back there. So I mentally make a note of where I'm not going back to. I was in Vegas and I went to Louis Vuitton and the customer service was trash and I left. I was like, I'm not going to spend any money here. I used to, I, back when I didn't have money, I would spend money to, to show them like, I got money. What'd you look at? But now it's like, Fam, I, I, I know who I am and I know who you are. So let me just peace out. I don't need to make a scene. That's what you should have done. Damn sparkling water. That's what you should have done. Instead of giving them $29,000 and game getting mad over some sparkling water or whatever. The funny thing is he has his own clothing brand, Vamp Life. I don't ever see him in it. <laughs> that's a mistake <laughs> I mean I've never seen it in stores or anything like that I think it still exists so you guys own clothing like Vamp Life are you spending $29,000 on Gucci clothing you should be wearing your own brand from head to toe every day what the yeah. hell are you doing now I don't know about the yeah. whole Republican president versus Democrat <laughs> president thing but because I feel like it just keeps happening regardless but to me, what I think most people didn't pay attention to, I, I did see people, some couple of people mention it, but the most disturbing thing to me that really showed me the self-hatred was when he was talking about, you know, the manager, they sent me a manager, ah, this, the hell are you going to send me a manager for? And he's walking through and he shows the guy on camera, he's a big black dude, mm. I guess that was the manager, and he said, look at him, what can he do yeah, I remember that. And I was like, wow. It was really, but the undertone was really like, what this black person could do? Like, it's like, look at him. He black. What can he possibly do? Like, what power could he possibly have? Like, be serious. The way I, the way I interpreted that was a little bit different. Um, I kind of, uh, I thought that what they were trying to do, because they play that game sometimes. Where it's like, oh, there's a black customer, so let's send out the black employee. Right. Let's send out the black manager. Like, uh, I was, uh, I was at, I was at uh, Buddies, and I felt like that happened to me because I'm like sitting down, and like a black dude serving me, and then like a white pr- people coming in, and like the white pe- like the white server automatically appears. I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but maybe he just stopped started working later. Maybe sometimes we 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 be creating racism where there is no racism sometimes. <laughs> right. I think. And so I think maybe he might have misinterpreted that. Maybe the managers happened to be black and it wasn't like that. But yeah, I could see how that could be interpreted that way, too. And you know what sucks, man? And what's really unfortunate and why <clears throat> I kind of even feel bad for like people who have to work those security guard jobs is like it sucks that to do your job well, you have to be racist. It's like if you work for racist people, 
you have to be racist, even if you're black, to do your job well and to keep your job and to pay your bills. Like, because that's what's expected. It's like, hey, watch the black people because black people steal stuff. Mm-hmm. And so now you're over here like a black dude watching black people because black people steal stuff. And it's like, man, like you kind of feel I don't know. I don't know how that would feel because that's not been my job. But I mean, I can imagine that that would suck. But it's like it's a it's a conflict because it's like you still got to pay your bills. And that's you got to control your own economy. Right. And it's a real thing. I remember this a long time ago. I was in a mall, just walking through, and a security guard walked into me. Like, I don't think it was in a store. He was just like the general security, I mean, general mall security or something like that. And, you know, it was winter. So I started wearing my, my scully or whatever. And he he walked up to me. He told me, he's like, I want to take take that hat off. He's like, I'm just letting you know, like, they tell us, like, some watch people like that. Yeah. You know, so he wasn't even trying to be like a jerk, but he was just trying to tell me, like, yo, you might want to take that off. So people know I'll be following you all over the place. Just It sucks, just man. It sucks because it's like, I forgot where I wasn't. It happens a lot in Detroit. And I think it's just because there's a lot of theft in Detroit that they just be heightened. It'd be like their senses mm-hmm. be so hyped. I was in here one time and I went to um, <clears throat> like a CBS and like, I'm just like walking around. I needed to get some stuff because I was in the hotel and it didn't have any lotion. They didn't have the lotion that I need and it was cold and I was I didn't want to use the hotel lotion. And so as I'm walking out the store, like security kind of like lunges after me, like they're walking, like if this thing goes off, I'm grabbing this dude. And then when it didn't go off, then he like kind of like turned around and went back into the store. I'm like, man, it's it's frustrating because like me, <clears throat> highly educated, very accomplished, but they don't ever see that they would you would never know. Even though I try to present myself as that, you would never know because all you see is black dude. <laughs> And it's like, it's so crazy that that's the assumption. But if you watch the news, that's kind of what you're going to get. And so for me, I just kind of live with it because I know that it's not me. It's just the stereotype. But a lot of times it's justified. So it's like, I can't, (coughs) I struggle getting mad because it's like, there are black dudes out there robbing folks. And so it's just like, it kind of, something I've got to live with, unfortunately. I don't know what I'm going to do. Change everybody. I can't do that. Can't do that. But it, it's what's funny. It was just I just realized, like, you know, some people will say, like, um, you know, if, it, if it's a black business that slips up or gives you bad service, people love to go to the Internet and complain or whatever. And people say, like, yeah, well, you don't complain when Gucci do it or something like that. So he's complaining about Gucci, but the way he did it is different. So if it's a black business that gives you bad service, what do they do? They walk out, they don't spend money and they dog them out and mm-hmm. dog them out. Now, him with Gucci, he he's complaining on the Internet, but he's still there. Right. He didn't he's walk like out. embarrassing the employees in there, too. He didn't walk out and he's still trying to give them twenty nine thousand. Right. 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 No matter how much he's complaining, he's still trying to give them the money. They don't do that with black yeah. business. I think that's why people couldn't really respect it too. It's like, bro, like you look real stupid right now. Like the the logical thing to do would have been to leave. If you if I go in somewhere and I don't get served, I'd be out. I don't care if it's a restaurant. I don't care if it's a hotel. I can't think. <coughs> I was in Chipotle today, and uh, it was really weird. Like it was really weird. As I was, I walked in and like I went to the bathroom, and like I could see they're kind of like watching me. Like they saw me walk in. And I walked in, went to the bathroom. There was no towels in the bathroom. So I had to like use some paper, some napkins out of the napkin dispenser to wipe my hands off. And so then I walk around and I walk to the front and I'm just standing there and nobody's even looking at me. Like nobody's even saying anything. But I was like, y'all, y'all watched me throughout the whole restaurant and now you're not even speaking. Like that's weird to me. And so I'm just sitting there and then the lady walks up and like, it was just a weird interaction. But like, if they would have never said anything, I probably would have just left. Like, I wouldn't have like asked them. I wouldn't have begged them. I'm not begging anybody to do anything. I'm not begging you to take my money or to make me a damn burrito. I'll go where the service is right. But you're right. And that's not, this isn't the first time people have complained about Gucci. I remember T.I. had that thing and people were actually taking it serious. I think even Floyd May, no, I think Floyd Mayweather broke the, the protest. I remember like yeah. T.I. was boycotting it and then Floyd Mayweather like popped up with like all Gucci, all Gucci. everything. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting, but people still actually respected T.I.'s approach. And I would have, or T, I would have respected Jim Jones if he would have came back to his room and then made a post that we can share. He was like, hey, man, I was at Gucci, blah, 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 blah. Right. 
I'm not shopping at Gucci anymore. Instead, he was like making it. It seemed like seemed real feminine, real like what women would do. Women move through the world differently. And a woman might be like, nah, they ain't going to take my money, blah, blah, blah. Y'all need to take my money. I feel like that's what a woman would do. A woman is going to because this this is the thing. This is this is what. And this is why, like, black I don't America even see no woman. I don't even see women doing that kind of the way he. This was is the it. reason why Black America is the way it is because we have a matriarchy now, and women get things differently than men get things. Women get things through people. Men get things by ourselves. And so, liberals, if you notice, most relationships, the man is more so conservative because we got to get it by any means. Anybody out here just handing it to us, you can't just be like, oh, I deserve this. And people are like, okay, since you deserve it here, like, no, that's not real life for a man. A man got to go out there and build it himself. But women, they can be liberal because liberals get things given to them. And so, I could see, like, that's why I'm saying it's a more liberal approach and that he's like, hey, I want to give you this, but you won't be nice to me. So if you be nice to me, please be nice to me. Please bring if they'd have brought the manager out there and the manager would have kissed his ass and brought him some water. You know what he would have done? He would have given them the money. And that's how he was. He That was his goal. His goal was to get them to give him something to be nice, to show appreciation for him spending that much money. Todd Consultant presents the vending machine business webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how. How we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And maybe that's commonplace when you're in the VIP. It's probably, that's probably what it is. When you're in VIP, like when you, just like you have certain expectations when you go into first class and they give you a drink, like mm-hmm. that's the expectation. It's like, boom, drink, snack, let's roll. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I never yes. been VIP Gucci. I didn't even know that existed. So I know that existed until today. I was today years old when I found out they had a VIP at Gucci. I just assumed everything it was VIP at Gucci. It's so expensive. I guess when you're spending 29 grand, I don't understand, man. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. I bet you, how much you, I bet you you still gave them the 29 grand. I appreciate it. I don't know, man. I couldn't even tell you. I bet you still did it. Even after that, that whole video. It's just dumb, man. Even um, the the funny thing is the first person I saw like retweeted or whatever was Ian, the master investor. What did he say? Which was interesting because he's like in that earn your leisure uh, stratosphere. And he said, because he said, I don't know if it was last week or what, but on one of one of the Market Monday episodes, he said pro- one of the problems with black people is that we don't have we don't stay on code. We should be boycotting certain people to show like economic power or what have you. It, that's not exactly what he said, but he when he reposted the um the Jim Jones video, he said you should be boycotting for five years, show some discipline, and that's mm-hmm. who's gonna do it. And I thought that was kind of bold, like you know, because Jim Jones was on Earning Leisure, so he's kind of like in that space. Is like, but he wasn't afraid to say it. Like, should be boycotting them for f- at least five for five years. Show some discipline. Yeah, make them feel it. You gotta make them feel it. That was the reason why the boys bus boycott worked because they made them feel it, and they got inconvenienced. They, mm-hmm. It was a long term. Uh, they were committed. They were willing to do it as long as necessary. They were riding their uh, uh, carpooling. Some people were walking. People made whatever sacrifice they could. But we, I don't know. We don't got it like that no more. The only thing is, I, I believe you should boycott them. The only problem I think is there's two problems. Number one is like everybody talks about the $1.3 trillion. Now, now they're talking about $1.6 trillion worth of black spending power, blah, blah, blah. They say, wow, that's interesting. Sounds like a lot of money. But if we got $1.6 trillion worth of spending power, what does everybody else have? If yeah, I, heard, bu- I think I, I think I saw a stat that said like white spending power is like 13 trillion. It was it was a number that was a multiple of the black spending power, but it wasn't like as crazy as I thought it would be mm-hmm. like 100 trillion or something. But I think it was like 13. So I've, I've actually seen the number. So it's kind of like we only 13 percent of the population in the country. Like how much we are not, even though we, we probably spend way too much with these companies, we are not the ones keeping them in business. Right. So that's why it's like, how do you boycott? It's like black people saying that they're going to boycott uh, the four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think though, even though we don't carry them, I still think they would have more respect for us if we actually did it. I think they would still Absolutely. notice. They wouldn't go out of Absolutely. business, but they would notice. Yeah, honestly, when you're dealing with that much money, a small percentage is still a lot of money. Right. <clears throat> so 
And then also the free promotion that we give them too. Yeah, that's walking around looking like a Gucci billboard, you know. So the other (laughs) people actually might spend more money, but they're not posting on the gram with it like like we do. But the second problem I see with it is kind of like what called Anderson says is like, all right, so if you boycott them, what's the alternative? If you don't have black owned alternatives, how long can you boycott them? Are you going to say, I'm not going to go to the white owned grocery store? Mm-hmm. What grocery store well, are you going to go to? Creating a, a grocery store is a lot easier than creating like a brand with prestige. But I mean, people have done it. Telfar did it. Um, right. That would see, that's the thing. A lot of progress comes through creation. So it's not that you just stop doing something. You also have to start doing something. And right. so it's kind of like if you want to get in shape, it's not enough just to stop eating bad food. You also got to start exercising. It's not enough just to stop spending money poorly. You got to also start increasing your income as well. So there's two actions that are required. We have to, if we want to progress the community, we got to stop doing stuff that pulls us down. We got to also start doing things that push us up. And a lot of us aren't willing to do that. A lot of us are just like, instead of creating, we'd rather be included in somebody else's creation. And that's why we can't ever get ahead. You can't get ahead like that, man. Now you touched on this earlier, but you had a tweet where you said, I get to be the boss because I have the most education. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, this is interesting that like I get to be the boss of a lot of stuff. But then I start realizing like I'm highly educated. And I had to tell somebody that today because like I've been looking at his business and his business sucks. And he's also not progressing financially. So I'm like, bro, like you need you need the the edu- people love to say college is just a piece of paper, but it's really not. College is not a piece of paper. It gives you the ability to think, it gives you the ability to problem solve, it gives you the ability to understand the numbers just like i was talking to scotty there's no re- there's there's a reason why he is where he is because that accounting and that finance takes you so far when you have a grasp of the numbers and financial modeling you can understand if a project makes sense based off of the numbers quite honestly i need to create a model i think we am gonna do that tonight creating a model to analyze these deals like all right this is the average like cost to do the rehab Based off of this number, based off of this number, based off of this number, this is the acquisition cost. This is what this is what the comps are. This is the most that I could pay for this property. And that's how you make your offers. You start making your offers based off of the number. So I have that education. I have that experience. I understand the law. Most people don't understand the law. I understand um, financial statements. Most people don't understand financial statements. I understand a lot of things that make me good at business mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't have. And so they're just guessing. They don't even know what a financial statement is or how to create one. But I know how to do, they don't even know the taxes. They don't know any of that stuff. Business formation. They don't know it, but I do know it. And so that's why I get to be the boss because I know things people don't know. I get to be the boss because I've read books people haven't read. I get to be the boss because I listen to podcasts they don't listen to. I get to be the boss because of all these different things. Now, the cool thing that I've noticed, um, because as we were talking to Scotty, I was like, man, we had it was cool that we had dinner together. Like, I'm noticing that the podcast increases your network, but what also increases your network is just being a dope-ass individual. And the doper you are, the more people you get to network with who are dope. So, yeah, I would say don't sleep on the education. It doesn't have to be college education. It could be course education. It could be book education. It could be podcast education. But you got to stop watching dumbass TV shows by 50 Cent and start educating yourself. <laughs> start watching stuff that's going to edify you and build you because that's going to allow you to grow as a business person and be the boss. So watching power doesn't give you power? Nope. I, I don't know. Not, nah. I'm so I tired of them damn shows. I, I was hoping they going to do something... I was hoping he was going to do something productive, but it's like, man, you just created like three more shows that are all about the same thing, selling drugs. That's crazy. And they just gave him the budget and folks just over here just watching it. Yeah. At, really ignorant. At this point, is like he should have enough power that he can actually just pretty much do what he wants. Well, 50 Cent, I don't like 50 Cent, man. I really don't. I don't like how he builds his brand and his business. I think he's really a trash person, but he wrote a really good book. Fiftieth <laughs> <laughs> Law is probably like the best book. Really, really good book. A he's lot a of smart guy. He's a smart guy. Probably so smart that he even knows that it just makes sense to continue to sell drug dealer shows to black folks. Like, I don't think to a certain extent, and this is like the craziest thing about it, man. It's just like what came first, the, the infatuation with degrading entertainment or the degrading entertainment? Because like people, I I think it was like pushed on us because back in the day, rap music was positive. Back in the day, rap music was progressive. Back in the the day, our movies and our entertainment was, the TV shows were progressive. Yeah, TV shows about family and crazy, Mm -hmm. uh, putting values into the community. And now everything is just pure ignorance. We got 
baby mama TV shows that have honestly, I think the reason why a lot of these women get on these apps and talk the way they talk is because those baby mama TV shows. Right, man. Real Real Housewives of Atlanta stuff like that, man. They, they follow that. That's that's everybody. Everybody decided they want to be a housewife now. That's all. That's what they're saying. I want to be a housewife. You pay for everything. I just show up and be pretty because that's what they do on TV. That shit ain't real. And they ain't even married. Every that's what everybody wants now. Every woman wants that life now, Raphael. Isn't that crazy? That's what they're saying. They're not saying they want the life their mom has. They're saying because most of their moms was grinding. I got a tweet that that's crazy. <laughs> you said like. Money can't buy happiness, but I'm happiest when I can buy what I want. Can't be happy when you can't, when your pockets are low, man. It's hard as an adult. As a kid, it's not so hard, but when you're an adult, man, and the bills are coming, and you, especially if you got miles to feed, and people say stuff like money can't buy you happiness, nobody can buy food and clothes on your back. Yeah, somebody said that like saying something like that is disrespectful to people who like are struggling. It's like if you are, if you are struggling and you don't have any food, no clothes, what do you want? You want food and clothes. How do you get it with money? So it's like it's kind of disrespectful to say something like that because I'm pretty sure if that person had food and clothes, they'd be in a better mood. Um, I think that I like what Grant Cardone says is he's like, why do you bring up happiness when I'm talking about money? <laughs> he's like. <laughs> He's like, that's I'm not I'm not I'm not really concerned about that. We can handle that later. But right now I got to handle the money problem. I got to be able to handle the the things I need to take care of. I need to pay these bills and do all these different things. And then we can worry about the happiness. So um, it's frustrating because I think people use it as a cop out. They use it as like a reason to even sometimes hate on people who have made something of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's really an empowering statement to make. Um, so that's kind of like how I take that. But it is. It is a good feeling knowing that you could like you can literally buy whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can do anything. No limits, no boundaries. Um, I like it. That I mean, that's the reason why I stopped drinking. I was like, bruh, like I don't ever want to make any kind of mistakes that could put me back in what I had before I got here. Cause that was not fun. I'm happier here than I was there. Yeah, people say stuff like that to kind of explain away why they don't have any. Yep. And why they didn't do what it took to get some. If you say money can't buy happiness, then it's a justification. Come on, man. It's the real world. But we're going to wrap this up. It is late in the D. It is late. It is, man. <laughs> it's like real life late. I didn't even get a chance to call my fan. But I got time now. It's 830. Still early. Ah, it's 830 back home. Got you. Got you. Anyway, be sure to follow us. Take us out, Raphael. Yeah. We talked the Black Buff Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow myself, Rafael, on work on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and the parent company at Todd Capital. Gonna leave you guys with one the the first tweet we had. Gonna leave you with that. Repeat it again. And Charles said, "Focus on your money, brother." Or sister, take some more chances. Episode 120 of Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast with your host Raphael and Charles. We are out. Peace. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm going to give you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.